0: Grand Canyon, where hidden forces shape our
1: ideas. ideas, beliefs, and experiences. And experiences. Join us as we uncover the stories between the canyon's colorful walls. Probe the depths and add your voice. Add your voice for what happens, what happens next at Grand Canyon.
0: And welcome okay
1: this is Jessica <laughs> and this is and this, this, this is behind the scenery
0: welcome to the behind the scenery podcast today we'll be chatting with Colleen Lucero a woman who has played a major role in showcasing the historic roles of Hopi women in the Fred Harvey company <laughs>
1: My name is Colleen Lucero, and uh, I'm from the village of Hopela, and I'm Kachina clan. Yeah, and currently I'm the managing director for the Hopi Villa Learning Center. It's um, a historical project that we revived in trying to create a Hopi cultural education center for the Hopi people.
0: That's yeah. amazing.
1: The Hopis have been trying to build their own museum slash learning center for about 40 years. Oh, wow. And, um, I actually changed careers. I went back to school and I came back and, um, kind of dusted off the old plans with a group of other individuals. And we, um, asked tribal council, if we could revive the project, but with emphasis, we would become a nonprofit. So that happened in 2007. So I'm just happy to, and, um, I've always loved history and I've always loved sharing about our culture. And so, um. It's just nice to be, to have my, um, what I enjoy fit into um, a career, so to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. The Hopi Harvey Project is a traveling exhibition that showcases the contribution, the contributions <laughs> made by the Hopi people, and in that is their stories, their oral histories, talking about when they work for Fred Harvey. And then also historical photos that have been shared uh, with permission to share and to show other people that this is who they were at that time. And then also um, donated items to the Harvey Project such as vintage brochures Um, We have a glass plate used to make postcards with a Hopi image on it, and even some restricted items that are not appropriate to share, but a lot of people have been donating items toward the project because they know that family members might not appreciate them later. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a nutshell, that's all that's included in the traveling exhibition, and it it continues to grow. Um, and then we're hoping to house all this material, the interviews, the photos, the the collections material at the learning center someday and let it be a part of that era of our modern histories.
0: Yeah, that always makes it very yeah. cool. <laughs> um so the Hopi Harvey Girls project is something that you did within the learning center. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah um, well
1: actually I did it when I was going to school. Oh, um, I, I was attending the Institute of American Indian Arts um, pursuing my degree in museum studies and so we had to pick a senior thesis, senior project so um, I was gearing up toward it. Um, my grandmother I'm really close with my grandmother. And when we used to go to our town days, like from the reservation to the next border town, she would always tell me these stories about when she worked at the La Posada. And as I got older, I tried to do the research myself, read books that were written about Fred Harvey, but our histories were never in those books. They were always about the other perspective. And so, I thought about it and I said, wouldn't it be great to have um, do a mini exhibit about this? Because Harvey girls are only supposed to be known as um, white Anglo women, nobody of color. Um, And so it was kind of hard to believe when you would ask somebody else about it. Um, And then sadly, my grandmother died my junior year. Mm. And in Hopi, we respect the dead, and we're not supposed to talk about them, we're not supposed to bring them up if it's going to cause us discomfort, or there's just certain cultural protocols about that. Yeah. So I thought maybe I shouldn't do it. And um, But in going through her things, I found all the stuff she would talk about, all her friends, pictures, um. And it kind of just, I felt like it was tugging at me. Like, you know, you really should just, um, this is for you now to share with others. And um, so I decided to for it to be a memoir to my grandmother. And as I started to do more research as to who those people were in there, she wasn't the only one that worked for Fred Harvey from the Hopi community. There was actually a lot of people, men and women. Yeah. And so... Um, The more and more I explored, um, that's when I decided to call it the Hopi-Harvey Project. Um, Just showcasing all the elders and their contributions to the Fred Harvey Company. Um, And like I said, you know, a lot of stories were told on the other side of the tracks, but never ours. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's how it all began.
0: It's a really beautiful story. Yeah. Really
1: touching. It was hard for me at first, but I know I found strength in the other people who are still alive that that should be shared also. And so they comfort me a lot. And um, my mom used to say, all you ever do is hang out with old ladies. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was a lot. There was a time there where that's uh, I would go see this person and that person and, you know, you kind of get. Um, attached to them and they were happy too that somebody was taking an interest in that time period because it was way before my time I only known of it because of my grandmother Mm -hmm. yeah did
0: you um ever find that anyone would push back against wanting to
1: share their story or most or were most people really excited to share I think at first that's always the case with native elders because Mm -hmm. um they have a lot of trauma with like um, people being invasive, people not accepting them for who they are. And so I think it was important for me to show them who I was, what village I was coming from, what my who my family was, and most importantly, the story of my grandmother that kind of helped break down those barriers. You know, I wasn't just somebody who was... Basically demanding information from them and making them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be an advocate for that. Like, um, so at first it was just reassuring them that this is what I was that what I was trying to do, and I wasn't gonna exploit any of the information. And if there was something that they didn't want to be shared, then I would respect them. So do you think that
0: doing this project was kind of a path of healing for you and for for you personally with your grandmother with the loss there and with your community as a whole?
1: Yeah, that most definitely. And it it, um, helped ensure all our values that we talk about in Hopi and that they live on within us. They live on with what we were taught. And so um, it just reiterated what I'm sure she probably would have wanted for me. And um, a lot of times when we miss people that are gone, we have to kind of look for the different signs and the different ways in the air or just that feeling of, of comfort. So um, I saw that a lot in the other people that were becoming a part of the project too. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. So circling back around to the project itself and thinking about the stories of these women, how did they manage the intersection of working for Fred Harvey with their cultural traditions?
1: The good part um, was that these women, um, the locations weren't so far. You know, they were working at Winslow, they were working at Grand Canyon. Very seldomly they would get shipped out to like Death Valley or um, Seligman. And so these areas were relatively close to home, so they mm-hmm. could go back and participate, like when ceremonies would come up. But um, But I also want to mention that, you know they were um, they were the first, I guess, to really step out and be able to show us that we could balance both worlds by having a working profession and still, um, being a part of our culture and carrying that on, I think it was really important to acknowledge them as them taking that step instead of um, not trying to make a make a means for themselves. And whatever they made, they always brought it home and and put it toward something toward the community or um, to help their families. It helped them be more self sufficient. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you said, like, shipped off, per se, to further away locations, did they have autonomy to choose where they got to work? Or did they just sign up to work for Fred Harvey and then they got put where they were needed?
1: Yeah, I, bu- I, I believe it was that way. And and I think when they got signed up, they everybody saw potential in them and then said there were these other job opportunities. And so they would go because I never heard anyone of them say well we were forced and we had no choice but to go you know it was a it was an option for them to advance they thought of it um so I don't think there was I don't think um they were forced to go it was just what opportunities were available to them.
0: Absolutely um what started you down this path of research and storytelling. You talked a little bit about your grandmother and your your senior
1: thesis. I at a very at a very early age, um, I went to a museum in New York, and it was a new Native American museum, you know. And um, we went there and um, I came across my tribe, and it was just one little thing. And I told my friend who wasn't Hopi, I told her at the time, she was my sponsor, um, I said, "Guy, you know, there's so much more to us than this. And so at a very young age, I wanted to change that narrative. I wanted to be able to tell people about us um, in a more respectful way because it's always just like um, bits and pieces and it's... Like I said earlier, it's always, it's always demanded what people want Mm -hmm. of us to learn about our tribe, the Hopi tribe, but it's never what we want people to learn about us. And so, at a very, I was only like a freshman, (laughs) and so I was like, man, I need to work in a museum, you know, (laughs) and change this. And um, so for me, it was been a long time coming that um, I was already set in this avenue um i had a few setbacks here and there but ultimately it always came around and so and now i'm dedicating mostly all of my time to helping preserve these histories helping to share them um yeah so
0: an awesome story it's always fun to be young and yeah like just see it clearly laid out in
1: front of you and then um And then we just always had a funny saying between me and my friend, like, well, what do I know? I'm just an Indian, you know? But (laughs) there's truth to that in some sense that that's how we feel sometimes in these spaces that we're not allowed to have that voice. Yeah. yeah.
0: With somebody else writing your narrative. Yeah. Or or totally
1: ignoring it altogether um, until they want something from us. Then then we're important again. Yeah, Yeah. Of course.
0: So what do you wish that people
1: knew about the Hopi? Um I think I think more um there's more to us than black and white photos. Uh Kachina dolls and pottery, you know, we have modern histories ourselves and we're just trying to maneuver through all the times um just like everybody else and um and I want people to be more a little bit more respectful about what we choose not to share. I think that should be more common ground than um, what I need to know. Yeah. I'm going to go search on YouTube mm-hmm. or I'm going to find a way to find out. Or um, Because a lot of that information that people are seeking about our tribe, our culture, that's earned knowledge that even we have to work for and so um I just wish people understand that more and um realize that we're not just the people in those photos still because I think there's a lot of misconception that we still live on the mesas we don't we're not trying to build museums you know (laughs) or stuff like that and so um but we're also mothers, we're also fathers, family members. We're just like anybody else, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so silly. So <laughs> um, I know that
0: you've been able to travel around in sharing the Hobie Harvey Project. What's been your favorite place
1: that you've gone to share it? My absolute favorite was doing a home exhibit for one of my elders, for one of the ladies that were participating. Oh, cool. She was a really shy woman. Her name was Dolores Komakwaptiwa. And um, she was just so kind, but she was a little shy. And she had Bell, And so she was kind of scared to go anywhere. And so she missed the opening. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll bring it to you. <laughs> I told her because it was a traveling exhibition. Yeah. And that was the man. my main goals was to bring it into the community rather than Having it at these venues that was not realistic for any elder out in the Hopi Reservation. Yeah. they go to dialysis three times a week. Some of them, and some of them don't have means of transportation. It, mm-hmm. And then they gotta dress up and yeah, fail. you know, it was just <laughs> so. I brought it home to her home. We set up the exhibit panels. We 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 put it on the, her TV with a DVD, and um, she invited her most. Um, closest relatives and they watched it together and um, there was also a lot of laughter giggling about it but then at the end they talked about their family values about how their father who was one of the first chairmen of the Hopi tribe was always in favor of progression was always in favor of uh, moving forward and working hard and so they just kind of reminded each other about that and And to me, that was really fulfilling because like, you know, nobody ever tries to accommodate them. You know, they're always rushing them around. They're always like, hurry up or like it's a burden. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and now that she's not here anymore, you know, I have really fond memories of her like that and with her family. And so now we, we share them with the next generation. You know, so I think that was far better than any opening, you know, an opening night where we're all dressed up and having hors d'oeuvres or whatever. It was just in her home, bringing it to her and letting her take it in for what it was for them, not anybody else. And that was just like the best thing, the best exhibit ever. Yeah, and I would like to do more of those. Yeah.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Great part about traveling
0: exhibits is they can move around.
1: (laughs) Well, and then we don't have a museum in Hopi. And so I did it at elderly centers. I did it at schools. I did it wherever I could, wherever there was a place for me to plug in, I I did it over there. And so, and I wanted it to come home first, then let it travel out in the public so that way I got I guess confirmation for me and then and any suggestions that the community had that mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would bring that out to a wider audience. Yeah. And so that's when we started doing more outside outside presentations at different venues. Yeah, absolutely. What was the most impactful story that you heard? Gosh, Like I said, you know, it started off as a memoir, but later on it was so important about how much this topic leads into other dialogue, important dialogue, such as commodification of our culture. um, And then the major contributions that um, the Hopis brought to the railroad. And then... um, of course cultural misappropriation a lot of things were misappropriated at that at that era and um it's kind of cringe cringeworthy but like it 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 was what it was and then um and then how very early on we were already um had our foot in the door of cultural tourism Mm -hmm. like um those are some of the main topics but also like the softer side of things about friendship about collaboration and um and then resilience of our culture we were still maintaining our culture and sharing it through a, a modern avenue mm-hmm. of 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 things it wasn't no longer people coming to the village it was us doing performances outside sharing things with the outside audience at like the grand canyon per se or hopi house um so those areas those different venues so um we never stopped being hopi um and we never died out you know like a lot of people thought oh let's collect all of this stuff and mm. let's you know recreate this these things because the the indians are going to die out they're all going to disappear you know and so um, I think that was the bigger picture that this project has brought me. And um, we need to have those conversations on what it was then and where we're at now, you know, and um, what was good about it, what was bad about it, and and keep pushing forward and and sharing that with our younger people and telling them that some things are not appropriate. But um, we also have a responsibility because we were also doing the same thing as far as selling our mm-hmm. um, items and how they became tourist items as yeah. down the line from like a utilitarian type of like art or craft yeah I've gotten to know the Fred Harvey family and the grandchildren and it's kind of like you know we've we all connect on the same thing like but they're like a whole other different family but yeah. like we relate to what we're talking about and um i have a um, they always say um blessings from your Harvey family you know and i'm just like wow i'm sure i don't even know if Fred Harvey would have even thought that either that his grandkids would be still making those connections with people at Hopi and visiting Hopi and sharing stories you know it's just all a bigger picture yeah Yeah. that's That's definitely yeah um have you kept in contact with any of the
0: folks you interviewed
1: yeah all of them until they all passed away um my last lady to pass away was olive and um she worked for Fred harvey for 30 years oh wow a long time and um she was just the sweetest person, and um, she came home to take care of her parents. And um, she was she lived up to 100. So a lot of these people have since gone, but um, I try to keep in touch with their families. And they appreciate it when they have somebody else acknowledge their family histories, that that was an important thing for mm-hmm. them. Um, so... Yeah, they were my ladies up until they left here. But um, I like to think they're still guiding me, um, especially when um, I share the funny things that they would talk about and um, just enjoying each other's company. I think that's the most thing that we all enjoy within each other. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna make it a, a goal and a personal, you know. Um, thing to make sure that all these stories, all the memoirs, all the photos are going to be in an archive somewhere, you know, and other people are going to be able to um, utilize those as a resource when they want and when they need it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did a lot of these women know each other before your project, before you started interviewing them? Um, Were they like a pretty tight-knit
1: community or... Some did some knew of each other, but some had only heard of each other because we have twelve different villages um out in Hopi, mm-hmm. and um you know they always know if they didn't know each other directly, they knew somebody who knew them, you know, and so I think it was safe to say that um they were all connected at some point
0: um How has doing this project benefited your role? In your community and then going on that as well. How has this project benefited your community as a whole?
1: The Hopi community is an oral history community so a lot of our history, a lot of our teachings are done from word of mouth, but the times that we're living in now um, we have to find that in between on how our younger people are learning as to how the older people are are learning and find an Mm in-between. So we're hoping that this learning center will be a place to do that and not necessarily take over the traditional roles of the villages and their learning circles, but just to be able to house those resources when um, we need them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think... um, there's just a lot to it with having a cultural education center in how we are going to manage our cultural resources ourselves Yeah, because, of, because we don't have this place, everybody's doing that for us mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily how we would like it or it's not necessarily within our values. So, um, I think that's going to be huge that's the biggest impact because Hopi isn't about ownership it's more about stewardship
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the museum perspective is that well these collections are ours these collections don't have a life we manage what we want to do with these collections not the people that where it came from yeah you know so I think that's the bigger impact is just being able to manage our cultural resources on our own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times when people want to talk about native culture, native subjects, they're not native themselves. So for us being able to provide our own narratives is a huge goal that we're pushing forward and and wanting that to happen more rather than people researching us and being self-proclaimed experts when they've never lived our life and they've never endured all the traumas. And um,
0: how do you suggest people from anywhere can create tighter-knit, intentional spaces within their communities?
1: I think we. I think the most important thing is that you need to fall back on how your community exchanges knowledge. How is that happening? Take a, take a deeper look into that rather than bringing foreign methods, foreign researches into that particular community and it not working out. Mm-hmm. I think um, people tend to go by structure all the time rather than having it happen organically. And so that's just my suggestion that, like, um, you know, you have to study how knowledge is being shared first before you try to step into that community and say, well, this is what I want for you Mm -hmm. or from you. And then not only that, we just need to be respectful. And I'll just, you know, circle back around to about how there should be a need not to know. Like, whatever we decide that we don't want to share, that should be respected. Um, just because of how things have happened in the past. You know, we Hobbies are tend to be prisoners of their own hospitality. We go in with a good intention of sharing stuff with people so they'll understand that moment and that time of what's happening. But the other person outside of com- our community is like, oh, well, he shared that with me. It must be OK. And I'm going to write a book about it and um, talk about it and maybe romanticize it a little bit so it could sell. You know, um, I think I think that's wrong. A lot of things have been romanticized about tribal history. and. Um, you just have to see what's appropriate within those communities first. Um, yeah, and there's no right or wrong way. I think um, there might be protocol, important protocols like forms of release and copyright and all of that, but I think for the most part, some of it has to, most of it has to be done organically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and sometimes i even serve cantaloupe a la mode because that was something that um the ladies talk about the different dishes they talked about and stuff and so i i think to be immersed in something and be able to experience it we have to have all of our senses involved so whenever i do that it's always a a hit you know <laughs> people remember they might not remember the hopi harvey project but, but they they'll remember, remember that <laughs> help, help. So. <laughs> oh, yeah <that's> so funny.
0: <laughs> thanks for joining us for this episode of behind the scenery special thanks to colleen for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing these critically important stories see you next time on behind the scenery We gratefully acknowledge the Native peoples on whose ancestral homelands we gather, as well as the diverse and vibrant Native communities who make their homes here today.